So much inspiration and positivity can come from simply telling stories, even if those stories are sometimes ones that are difficult to share and also hear. This week, we're featuring an incredible national nonprofit called This Is My Brave that's working to break down the stigma around mental health and substance abuse. And they're doing it by going into communities around the country, sourcing stories from people in those communities who are storytelling about their personal experiences from the stage. Today, you're going to meet their interim executive director who shares her own story of loss and also how she's found her purpose through this work. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to meet virtually for the first time and introduce all of you to Erin Gallagher. Hi, Erin. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Tamika. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Now, I know you are the interim executive director of This Is My Brave, and you are a nonprofit. Um, and I like to say um, I'm so passionate about nonprofits, about the arts, and always excited when you're able to join the show so we can learn more about you, what you do, obviously how we can support you. So let's start off with learning a little bit more about your nonprofit. Sure. So This Is My Brave um, is an organization. We're a national nonprofit, and we empower individuals to um, share their stories of their personal lived experience with mental illness and or substance use disorder. So we, we put on live stage productions in a theater and um, in cities around the country, and we invite ordinary people from the communities that are surrounding that theater to join the cast and become storytellers using the performing arts. Um, and the purpose of our work is to um, break down the stigma associated with those conditions so that others who hear these stories know that if they're facing something, they're not alone, that uh, help is available and that recovery is possible. So when you have these performances, you're actually, and you just mentioned, at least at this at the time of this recording, about a week from now, um, that you will have a performance in Coral Springs, which yes. is in South Florida. Um, so if we use that as an example, there are members of the local community that become a part of that. Right. So uh, the, that show is called This Is My Brave, This Show in Broward County. So those producers um, in the spring put out a call for storytellers and invited people from the community who maybe had a story to share and were willing to come forward and um, share it, invited them to audition for the show. So um, much like a, a, 
another performing arts um, production, there are auditions and a cast is formed um, based on those people who came forward. But the important thing to note is that these are unique productions. So while that show is happening in Broward County, you know, four or five days later, there's gonna be a show in LA and those will be all people from the local LA community. So it's not a traveling troupe the way that you might see um, off-Broadway shows go. So um, since 2014, we've had uh, over 80 unique productions of This Is My Brave that have taken place in wow. cities across the country, um, just like the one that will happen next week in Broward County. I absolutely love this because number one, like you said, they're all unique. Number two, you're engaging that local community in yeah. this. And it sounds like a collaborative process in a way. The very first show of This Is My Brave took place in Arlington, Virginia in 2014. And that was really met with great acclaim. And so, um, you know, once that uh, happened and people were excited about it, the, you know, the idea was, well, wow, this could be, this could happen in communities across the country. We've had this impact on this one community. What if we could do this in cities across the country and have a similar impact? And so, um, we created a playbook based on how that first show was produced. And then now volunteers can pick that playbook up and produce something similar in their own city. Isn't it amazing how an idea and a vision can come to life? I think it's pretty incredible when I see, um, we've been doing this now for eight years. And when I see the original um, promo videos that were done for the show, the mission that as it was stated in the very beginning, the vision um, that as it was stated in the very beginning, and it's, it all holds true still today. So I, it really makes me um, just very impressed with our co-founders and how clear they were and what they wanted to accomplish and how well they've carried that out and, and how well our volunteers um, have carried that out in cities across the country. Like hats off to uh, Jennifer Marshall and Anne-Marie Ames, who are the co-founders of this organization. They set something up that's so wow. special, magical, impressive, and um, and we're still doing it today. Which, and, but I'm I'm grateful for their for their clarity of vision mm -hmm. and what they were able to 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 put out into this world, and that we can keep it going is is um, it's a privilege. And um, I, it's the best work I've ever gotten to do in my life, so. And that's a perfect pivot to my next question and a little bit more about you because with the work that you're doing, I love that you mentioned putting this call out to storytellers. And that's something I'm super passionate about as well as why we started this podcast to um, talk storytelling as well as health, wellness, mental health, um, which is, all of the things that are happening in this conversation, which is great. So I want to understand a little bit more about your story and how you came to be where you are now with This Is My Brave. Sure, of course. Well, um, I, I got to know This Is My Brave just sort of by accident and, and unfortunately due to some tragic circumstances. I, I lost my son to suicide in 2016 and my husband and I, um, in the wake of his death, took a pretty public platform on, on what we um, believed was necessary, you know, just in the community, in the school system, what could be done to protect our students more. Um, 
And at the time I was living in the DC area, just outside of, um, just sorry, in Loudoun County, just outside of the DC area. And that's where This Is My Brave is, um, is headquartered. And so um, I think that Jen must have heard, you know, about our story. Um, and then I happened to reach out to her because I have two other children, two daughters, and I was trying to find a way to encourage them in their grief process. Um, and so I found This Is My Brave online, and um, I noticed that they were selling these brave bracelets, these brave bead bracelets. And I wanted to buy some for the girls just so that they would have them as some encouragement. So I put an order in on the website. And um, a few days later, I got a phone call from Jennifer Marshall, our one of our co-founders, um, who was then serving as the executive director. And um, she said, oh, I got your message. And um, silly me, I was like, wow. I mean, I did not imagine that my order would be um, fulfilled by the actual executive director. And so that was kind of funny, but she said, I realize you're just down the street from me. And so, um, I could drop these in the mail to you, or we could meet for coffee and, um, talk a little bit and I could give you the bracelets then. So that's what we did. We met for coffee and we really started talking about the work that she did through this is my brave and, and her desire to break down stigma, um, because we know that stigma is a barrier to help seeking behavior. And that's exactly mm. what happened with my son. He really, um, he never shared out loud with uh, anybody who could help him um, that he was struggling. And so he, he kept his struggles a secret. And I know it was stigma that made him do that. He really didn't want to be labeled as mentally ill or suicidal. He didn't want um, a diagnosis. I, he just, I, you know, I, think it the, the stigma painted a picture of something that he just didn't want to be associated with and so he hid his symptoms and he hid um everything all of his distress until he couldn't hide it any longer until it um ultimately took him down so i became it became clear to me that we need to do something to break down the stigma i loved what jennifer and this is my brave we're doing at the time and so we kept talking that was in 2016 we talked you know met for cup, cups of coffee every once in a while and at some point she asked if i would ever be willing to um, join her staff um, to continue you know, to be a part of the work that that brave was doing and of course i was absolutely ready to do that. I wanted to be in a role of advocacy. I wanted to do work that would make a difference in the lives of people that could break down suffering and help connect people to um, to hope and to the, the treatment that they needed to get better. So I was enthusiastic about jumping into um, what Brave was doing. So I joined as a program manager in um, 2019. And then um, a couple of years later, Jen mentioned that she was ready to step away from the organization and asked if I would be willing to step up as the interim executive director. And that's what we did um, at the beginning of this year. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so sorry about the loss of your son. Um, thank you. When it comes to stigma around mental health um and you mentioned you know at the beginning of your story that you took a, a public stance on you know 
everything that you were going through and wanting to break down that stigma. Um, why was that so important to you? I, I had incredible clarity as soon as we lost Jay. I, I knew very clearly that, you know, I mean, I know there is an, um, a temptation on the part of some families to not to say how they lost their uh, loved one if it is due to suicide. And I never had, and, both, and I'm grateful that my husband and I were on the same page on this. We never had that inclination to tell a different story. And so we were very clear from the, from the, very, from the very moment, the very first, I mean, my boss uh, called me and said, what, what am I supposed to tell you know, your clients? And I said, you're, you're gonna tell them that I lost my son to suicide. And she said, Oh, no, well, we probably shouldn't say that. Well, what, what would you say? I mean, if we don't say it, mm-hmm. then we're just leaving so many other people at risk. Right. I mean, I, I probably said it a little bit more. I wasn't as nice as that, but basically you yeah. have, we have to talk about it or we're just letting other people suffer in silence. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a grieving mom's mission. I think that it becomes we've heard it said so many times, but if I could stop suffering for at least one person, then I'm going to do whatever I can to make that happen. Um, So I hope that that by sharing Jay's story, and actually I know that by sharing Jay's story, that we have made a difference in the lives of people who've heard it. I've been contacted by people who said, because of what you, you said, because of what you wrote, I approach this topic differently in my family. Um, And we're making, you know, we've been able to intervene because you've been open about what happened. We spoke openly and then our community responded overwhelmingly with support and love. Um, There are still communities where it is whispered about, you know, where people all know, but nobody will say it out loud. Mm -hmm. So I feel very fortunate that I was a part of a community that could handle that information um, and could offer us support as we went through this tragedy. But I know there's still communities out there where this, it doesn't happen like that. So, um, and I think that's the, the beauty and the power of storytelling to really change lives, create change, connect people. Um, so I think that that's, you know, so powerful that you did that. How do you feel about, this where the stigma of mental health or substance abuse is now because i feel like the events of the last two years or so have really brought a lot of mental health issues to the forefront um and people are so much more open about it but i'd love to hear from your perspective of what you've seen over the last few years i do think the pandemic accelerated our um, the work that we're able to do and the progress that we've been able to make, I think it, it was accelerated during the pandemic because that really, uh, it was something that, you know, a, a, almost a traumatic experience that we all uh, kind of faced globally together. I mean, we all had the uncertainty of, of when are we going to have life as we once knew it? Will we have life as we once knew it? it put mental health at the forefront and I'm grateful for that. I still think that there's a lot of work to be done. Um, And 
so here we are trying to do it. And so, but more people are now, I think, more receptive to it. You know, we're not living in the, uh, on the margins with these efforts. I think um, more and more people are kind of like, yeah, we need, yes, we need to do this. I want to know more. I want to hear more. So um, storytelling does have an ability to, to now penetrate into those, uh, the minds and hearts of those people who maybe wouldn't have given uh, mental health their attention previously. So that's what's exciting about where we are today. For This Is My Brave, why is the arts and performance the right way to communicate these stories and to, to break down the stigma? I think that the arts um, takes the complexity of an experience like mental illness, which has so many layers. It, it hits you, it's a physical and emotional and a social, there's so many elements to it. And the arts can, has the capacity to encompass all of those complex pieces and put them in a way, I don't know, it also just kind of taps right into the listener, the emotion of the, of the artist and the emotion that it kind of gives this soul connection, I think, um, this human connection that just a, you know, a, a statement wouldn't have the ability to do. Because right, not everyone is comfortable in like, like you said, a, com- a, a conversation like this, and it might not even be about comfort, but just in how they're able to deliver their message. But um, there's something multifaceted in a way about movement or like you said, poetry or song um, where emotion can be drawn out um, and different things outside of the spoken word can be communicated. The other the other thing about using art is it takes what we're asking people to talk about sometimes is hard and something, you know, it's it's something that maybe in the past has been shrouded in shame. Uh, they maybe have been told not to speak about it, you know, so they haven't had an opportunity to tell their story um, in their own words in the way that they feel most comfortable. And so if they can go back and address um, as through an art form, they can address something that's been pain painful and full of shame for them and they can turn that into a song or a poem i mean there's transformation in that their relationship to that experience and it can turn that thing that that's been hard for them into this piece of art that they can then put out on stage and then be celebrated for it um, by the audience and their applause and their um, and their comments and their discussions afterwards with the artist. I mean, that's that's a really cool thing that you can take um, something that's that probably maybe for many people is negative and turn it into this thing of beauty that um, is shared. That's an incredible um, experience, I think, for a storyteller. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I'm curious how you have seen, I don't, you can use a specific example if you'd like, um, the, the work that This Is My Brave has done. How have you seen that impact the lives of others? Well, we, um, we took some time in, during the pandemic to ask our storytellers um, about their experiences with This Is My Brave. And the point of that really at the time, because we had, we'd always done live theater productions, of course, in spring of 2020, we had a full slate of shows um, scheduled 
those had to be canceled just like everything else. Um, and so we took those shows and turned them into virtual shows, but we had a little extra time on our hands and we didn't want to waste the time that we had um, just being sad about the fact that we couldn't be on stage. So um, we worked on at that point in at the end of 2020, we were working on our theory of change. And so that's really um, a way of understanding, you know, the work that we do and the impact that it has on um, the people who participate with us. And so um, we had we took the time then to interview many of our storytellers and we did a, about 100 interviews with um, among the 800 or so storytellers that we have in our Brave alumni ranks um, and looked for consistent themes. So th things that they were reporting in those interviews and their responses to our questions. And we were able to um, really pinpoint um, a pattern of um, of five outcomes that are consistently reported by our storytellers. So they show up, you know, willing to tell their stories and that's what they think they're going to do. Hey, I'm here to tell my story. Um, and then in the process of going through the, the rehearsals with other cast members, with the production team, and then standing on the stage and delivering that final um, performance, um, and then being celebrated and affirmed in that moment by the audience that this has the power, this whole experience has the power um, to produce um, a, re a reduction in self-stigma and shame and an increase in confidence and an increase in a sense of purpose, in a sense of community and support that they've had with their cast fellow cast members, and also an increase in their feeling, um, their sense of feeling valued where you are now as interim executive director and through all of your lived experiences, do you feel like you have taken um, the, the tragic events that's happened in your life and turned it into good? I don't want I don't want Jay's life to be reduced to like um, this, this one transaction, you know, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, I've learned a, a lot, um, but, and I live in uh, pain and grief. And so, um, you know, I have a choice in my pain and grief. I can sit there and I can wallow in it. I can indulge that, <clears throat> but that feels um, like not the best use of, of my grief. So I, I think that um, being a part of This Is My Brave is an incredible outlet for my grief. It certainly gave me a sense of purpose mm. and um, a strong desire to, to do the work that I know has impact on people. So um, the work that we're doing does result in so much good in the lives of the people um, that participate with us. So for that, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for um, that our storytellers and our audience members can report that that being a part of the brave experience was positive for them and has made a difference in the way that they see the world, the way they look at other humans who live with mental illness. All of that is so incredible, and I I'm grateful to be a part of that. Absolutely, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I think you know from now about on 110 episodes of this podcast and really talking to 
people who have experienced things from all different walks of life, um, what I tend to find is that it, it seems to be a turning point where you mentioned the word purpose and it's almost like the purpose has either changed or they found their true purpose and um, have really been able to share that with the world in a way that feels meaningful um, despite some of those experiences that they've had. Um, and I think that's what's beautiful about it. Yeah, I, I think you're gonna say something. Yeah, the perspective. I think my perspective has shift, shifted. If I said yeah. my, I mean, my purpose before, I've always been um, somebody who would rather help people, um, mm -hmm. you know, have more people oriented um, connections, you know, kind of a nonprofit minded person, you know, right. um, kind of. So I've always been that person, but my perspective has shifted. I see things in a much different way. Um, things that I would have given energy to before I refuse to give energy to have no desire. It's not even like, um, I could, but no, I'm not, you know, I just see things entirely. There's just a whole different outlook and perspective now. Um, and, and it's to some extent, I'm a little ashamed of the things I gave energy to before. And I'm sorry that I ever did, but it, it's only through this experience of, of, grief and tragic loss that I, um, I mean, you can't will yourself to have this new perspective. I, I used to read self-help books all the time. And, um, now I read them with my new perspective and I, I know exactly what they're describing. I could, mm. I could only try to imagine before now I know, like there's just something in that, that tragic loss and the deep grief that shifts everything and changed my perspective forever. I it's, it's I'm I'm it's an imprint on me now and and the way I do things and the way um, that I see things. Hmm. Um, you mentioned you know the self help books or self improvement and I do always ask on this show whether it's a, a self improvement or a health and wellness tip um, that you would offer to people listening um, and whether it's something that is a, a small thing that people can do kind of on a daily basis to, to show up as their, their best selves, maybe something that you practice or um, something else that could be helpful to, to others, whether they are maybe going through a loss or a difficult time. Is there anything that, that you would offer that comes to mind? Oof. Well, therapy. <laughs> I mean... Uh, therapy was incredibly helpful to me. I can tell you from the perspective of a mom who lo lost her son to suicide and she didn't, I never realized the depths of his suffering. Um, there's a lot of guilt. There's a, a lot of guilt. And then there is a lot of negative self-talk then that happens. Um, a lot of just berating of yourself um that was it was a horrible horrible time and so it was only through the work i did with a therapist where i i mean where she really um challenged my very simplistic thinking um and also offered me the perspective helped me to understand the complexity of mental illness um uh, 
to understand the complexity of suicidal ideation. I, I didn't understand any of that. And I um, came at it from a very simplistic perspective. And she was able to really paint for me the, or help me understand the complexities of both of those conditions. I just think therapy is incredible because it helps us challenge just the way that we see things that we just take for granted as if that, this is the reality. And when you sit with somebody and they say that that's not the reality at all, I don't know if you know this, but right. this is actually, mm -hmm. um, that's a very narrow way of thinking of this. And then they give you off these other perspectives. That's an incredibly um, eye-opening experience. So I would definitely recommend therapy support groups. I spent time in a support group um, for grief. And I would also say for both of those things, therapy and a support group, it's important to find the right fit. So um, support groups were ridiculous. Like my husband and I almost became a joke, right? We would go and we would sit together in one and I would literally like, just look at him like, this is it. <laughs> I can't do this. So we would just be like, nope, what's yeah. next on the list? <laughs> so yeah. it took like four or five, literally, um, before we found a group of people that really we felt like we can sit and pour our hearts out and support them. They will offer us support. That was really an incredible experience to find the right group and do that work with them. Um, and the same with the therapist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think also when it comes to, to therapy, it, that's something that you can practice at any point in your life and it doesn't have to be during a loss, right? Like it can, it certainly can be, and there's nothing wrong with it being part of your, um, day-to-day -day life when things are going amazingly well. Right. I think that there's still things that we could all, um, work on and, um, at any point, you know, there are relationships that we could be doing better, even if there's nothing bad going on, we could be better parents to our children, better spouses, better friends in our um, networks, better coworkers. Um, yeah, there's plenty of work to do, I think, in a healthy space. And I would say it's a good investment in your future because I don't know anybody who's sailed through life and not faced uh, some some loss that has really um, knocked them to their knees. And so maybe doing the work now is, is a good investment. So when you hit that moment, as we at all inevitably will, you'll be equipped to manage it because mm. that is hard work, grief. Yeah. And if you've laid some good groundwork, um, then you're going to be better off for it when, when that time comes, I think. That's great advice. So what's next for This Is My Brave? Well, This Is My Brave um, is doing really exciting things. You know, just I mentioned earlier that we had gone through a transition at the beginning of the year. And um, sometimes with nonprofits, when founders are ready to step away, that can be, um, that's a pivotal moment for a nonprofit organization. And some nonprofits don't make it through that transition. And so, uh, we've been very intentional this year about what we've, what we've, the work we've been doing, um, so that we can be certain that this is my brave will 
um, be strong moving into the future post transition. So I'd say that 2022, um, it's we're moving back to the stage, but we're also seeing uh, projects that we've been working on for a very long time come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So um, in 2021, we did a virtual national teen show and um, featured teens from across the country who were willing to step forward and be brave with us and share their stories of overcoming very serious um, conditions. And so they shared those stories with us on our stage. And they also shared those stories um, with our, um, at the time was our teen creative director, Anastasia on her podcast. Um, and so Anastasia did interviews with all those same teens and that um, podcast series has just released. It's called Our Turn to Talk. It um, started, it was released in May. We've had 10 episodes of the first season released so far. And now work is being done um, for Our Turn to Talk to move into its second season. So we're really proud of the the teens that are a part of that, of the, the vision that Anastasia had for that podcast. And, um, and then the making of the podcast was chronicled by a documentary team. And that documentary is about to be released in October. Oh, that's that exciting. one also is called Our Turn to Talk. So you'll get to see those students, those young people, Anastasia, um, and then all of those guests that have appeared on this season one of, um, of the podcast are being covered um, in the documentary as well. And so that'll be released in early October through wellbeings.org, which is um, one of the, it's a, an endeavor from um, the public television, the, the Washington DC area public television station. Okay, that's awesome, okay. So we have the documentary, we have the podcast, we yep. can certainly link to the podcast in the show notes below. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add that I didn't ask you? I mean, you know, one thing, yeah. <laughs> as it, although we're excited to, well, a couple things. We're excited to be returning to stages. Obviously that's where we do um, our, the work that we're passionate about. Um, but, you know, what we learned during the pandemic is that we, um, that there is a place for virtual programming. And so we have uh, decided to continue to offer virtual shows. And we're offering those shows for those topics that are more universal. You know, um, we are um, doing two virtual shows, one that will take place at the end of this month on September 29th called This Is My Brave Stories from the College Athlete Community. So that'll feature the stories of college athletes who are sharing how they cope with their mental health um, in the face of all of the other um, pressures that they have on them as they are, um, you know, in the university experience. There's a lot of pressure to be great on the field, to be great in the classroom, to be upstanding leaders on their campuses. And maybe in, in all of that, we've pushed mental health aside and we really, you know, are excited to have these this young group of um, storytellers who are willing to reveal how they've managed the, some of the challenges they've been through with their mental health and how they've managed and how they're um, trying to make a difference on their own campuses and within the NCAA 
um, about, you know, giving more support to athletes with their mental health as well. Mm -hmm. So we're excited about that. And then at the end of our season um, this fall, we're going to close out um, the season with our second virtual show, which is This Is My Brave Stories from the Veteran Community. And the veterans have been on our mind for quite a while. We're very excited to finally be able to um, feature the stories of veterans, um, let them share their experiences, but also share how they've gotten through them, the things that have helped them so that they can offer hope to their fellow veterans that are out there. So we're really excited about both of those um, shows coming up as well. Awesome. That sounds great. Um, How can people learn more about This Is My Brave, support you, connect with you on social, all the things? Yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook. You can um, search our handle at This Is My Brave. Find us on Twitter. Um, and then also at our web on our website, www.thisismybrave.org. Um, there's the opportunity to sign up for a newsletter there so that you will get information about all of our upcoming events. And um, you can also check out our events page on our website to see if there's a show that will be coming into your community or if um, any of those virtual shows might be interesting. We have a one show this fall that actually will be um, live streamed while it's being presented. So there's a show in Philly in October um, and they're going to be live streaming their show. So if you don't have a show in your area and you're around on the 9th of October, you'll be able to see that show anywhere that you um, can log in to your computer, which is exciting. Awesome. And we'll make sure to include all those links down below in the show notes. This has been wonderful. I really appreciate learning more about what you do. It's really important and incredible work. And I'm hoping that I can get up to Coral Springs. Yeah, that would be so great. I will (laughs) let the team know that they should keep an eye out for you. That would be really be wonderful. And again, thank you so much for your time and for sharing so openly and also sharing the great work that you are doing. Thank you, Tamika. It's been wonderful. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today. It's always such a joy to feature nonprofits on this show because they share such incredible stories and we enjoy sharing their stories. We hope you enjoyed this episode today about This Is My Brave. Make sure to go below in the show notes, learn more about them, support them, check out a performance that's maybe coming to your neighborhood and also their virtual performances, which you can find on their website. All of that information is below in the show notes. You can connect with them on social media as well. And hey, make sure you connect with me if you haven't already, because I'd love to stay connected with you. I'm all of the places, but I'd especially love it if you connect with me on LinkedIn and hit subscribe on YouTube. I'd hate for you to miss out because we come back with new episodes every other week. So until I see you back next time, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy.